get going. So, all right, cool. Well, we're going to start with a journey through the Old Testament, okay? And um, I'm going to try today uh, to spend a few minutes with you guys, giving you kind of an overview, a synopsis of the Old Testament as a whole. Um, we're going to spend after this week, we're going to start kind of dissecting it by parts. Obviously, this is a 12-week small group, and that sounds like a lot, uh, but the Old Testament it's got a lot to it. So obviously there's really no way we can dive into every nook and cranny of that in that, but I'm going to have some, some, some real big key parts that we're going to be taking a look at, hopefully give you maybe some new stuff that you haven't uh, thought of or learned before. Uh, by the way, uh, there is no such thing as a stupid question in this. So it, whether you're coming into this, uh, never really understanding what the Old Testament is, or maybe you've read it 17 times through. Uh, there still doesn't really matter how many times I read it. There's still more questions I get out of it, and there's still things that I obviously continue to learn every single time. So uh, today, though, I, like I said, I want to kind of give you a, a brief kind of overview of what that looks like. Uh, really, so the Old Testament is made up of Hebrew Scripture, okay? So at the first part, if you were to open your Bibles, if you had a paper Bible, or if you were to open your YouVersion app and kind of look through, obviously it's going to list you off all scripture there. Uh, if you were to take a look at the beginning of the Old Testament, we all know it starts at what? Genesis. Very good. You got it. Everybody gets a gold star for tonight, okay? So uh, as you start out, you look at Genesis. Well, the first five books of the Bible uh, would be the Pentateuch, okay? Uh, also sometimes called the Torah. Uh, sometimes people kind of mistakenly consider the Torah to be all of the Old Testament. It's actually really not. It's really just kind of the beginning parts. But uh, it's really the first five books. And uh, if you actually read, especially if you got like one of those old school, like real thick King James ones, you know, and you'll open it to Genesis and you get the, the dust flies everywhere when you open it. You know, but when you open that, a lot of times at the top, it'll actually talk about it being the books of Moses. And so the books of Moses is kind of one of the given titles to the beginning of it. Uh, it's, basically saw, uh, it's basically thought that Moses received uh, all of this when he was on Mount Sinai. Uh, it includes all the biblical laws uh, that come with Judaism. And so really um, one of the things that's kind of interesting uh, about uh, the Old Testament, especially when it relates to Christianity, right, is that Christianity actually takes... Uh, the sacred writing of another religion, which is really not necessarily another religion, it's still technically kind of tied to us, but it's really the, uh, another religion, and we've actually made it the first part of our scripture. And so you really don't find that very many other places. Uh, there are a couple, uh, some that we would consider cults, and some others that we would consider like uh, uh, Gnostics that would pull from lots of different areas that would maybe pull some scriptures and stuff like that together. But it's kind of unique in that. So we also know that we've got the first five books, which is the Torah of the Pentateuch, okay? Then we also have the Navi, okay, which would actually be the books of the prophets. Then after that, we have it broke down into the uh, Keturim, which is the writings, which would be like Psalms, Job, Proverbs. And then all together, though, when you put them all together in Hebrew scripture, it's called the Tanakh, okay? Everybody say the Tanakh. Okay, look at that. You're learning Hebrew. You didn't even know it, okay? Uh, so as we, as we go, as we start, we have to remember uh, that A, this stuff is very, very old, okay? So that's why sometimes if you've ever had a, a tough time reading it, like I do constantly, and you look through and you're like, what in the world does this mean, okay? Remember that you're reading it in a different language. Remember that you're reading it and it's thousands of years old. 
And remember that there's, there's elements and cultural things here that, doesn't, that don't always come across real easy. And so that's where you kind of, uh, in the Old Testament, my dad always talks about how he really doesn't like to read the Old Testament. Because he's just like, it's just so, there's just so much to it. Like you can't just really read it. You got to like read it and then you got to go study and figure out what in the world the stuff is you're reading and what it means. And, and so for us, it actually is this interesting concept because really the Old Testament for us as Christians, right, or have a, who have a, a Christian worldview, right, for us, it actually gives witness to, it predicts the coming Messiah, which is Jesus Christ. Okay, so for us, uh, if I were to try to uh, help paint this for us uh, to uh, a little bit better of a, of a different way to look at it, it it's kind of like anybody ever seen uh, a good movie, and then the next thing you know, they actually come out with another movie, but the other movie is actually supposed to happen before the first one, the, the, a prequel, right? You know, uh, and, and so really to me, the Old Testament is kind of that prequel. It's kind of that before the New Testament, before Jesus shows up, but it lays all the groundwork for it. And it does such an incredible job for it. So, uh, if anybody, does anybody got a Bible or version app that can read something for me really quickly? It's actually in the New Testament. I know you got confused because we just said we're in the Old Testament. Can we go to Genesis, or I'm sorry, Romans, Romans chapter 15, verse 4. Romans 15, verse 4. And if anybody, whoever gets to it first, gets another gold star for the day. If you want to raise your hand so I know you're reading it and then we can just read it loud. Do you have it? Or who? No? Yeah, you got it. Go ahead. 15 4. 15 4. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have Okay. This is Romans 15 4, written by the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul is really talking here. And you got to remember, when the Apostle Paul is writing this, this is a letter to the, to the Romans. Okay, so this is, Paul doesn't know he's writing the Bible. Okay? He doesn't realize that at the time. So what is he talking about when he's talking about all of this was written for us so that we can continue, basically, that we can see forward the faith? He's talking about the Old Testament. He's talking about the original, the, the original scripture. And so he's saying that, listen, all of this was put together for us to be able to use so that we could ultimately have hope. That's what he says at the end. All of this, what is all of it for? All of it is to give us hope. And so we start, right? If we were to start and we were actually to take a look back and we were to look in Genesis, obviously many of us know Genesis and maybe some of us are smart enough. We've even like read the first verse enough to know that it starts in the beginning, right? Now you're like, yeah, I got the Bible down in the beginning. And, and so we realize that in Genesis, we see creation. We see God creates man and woman. Uh, we see that he creates them in righteousness. In other words, when they're created in righteousness, you know what that ultimately means? That ultimately means that uh, they are, are right with God, okay? That there's no sin, that there's nothing going on, there's no, no, there's no sin in the world. So everybody is right with the world, and they walked in holiness. So one of the incredible things that you probably remember if you went to uh, Sunday school back in the day, and you had the felt board, everybody remembers the felt board, and you had a little Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve, of course, always had to have little fig leaves covered up, right? Because by, because by the time you get to the felt board, Adam and Eve, they've already sinned, right? But we got to remember, before that, there was a time when they hadn't sinned, and when they hadn't sinned, they got to walk around, they were free, they lived in, in, in this incredible place called the Garden of Eden, and so it, it was just basically this perfect world God uh, God had uh, created for them and placed them in. 
And so next week, we're actually going to get really deep into the book of Genesis. It's going to be really good. Uh, I hope that you'll make time to be here. But, uh, but we find that something happens. In, in Genesis chapter 3, uh, verse 8, here's what it actually says. Uh, and, and this is, uh, remember, they were created in righteousness, so walking with God. But Genesis 3, 8, we see that then the man and his wife heard a sound. The sound of the Lord God, and he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And it says, and they hid. For they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. And of course, I love this because as you go in and you continue to read, God calls out, where are you? Which I love because God already knows where they are. But he like gives them the opportunity. Like God's like, are, are we playing hide and seek now? Like what's going on? Like come on, like be, like, let, be real with me, be honest with me. What's happening here? And we see that the fall of man happens because of disobedience. Does anybody know, by the way, uh, what the fall of man is? The fall of man sometimes mistakenly gets called because Eve ate an apple. Okay. By the way, if you thought that, don't worry, you can go back to eating apples because apples aren't the bad problem. In fact, we don't know what the fruit was. Uh, a lot of times we depict it as an apple or something like that. The actual, and it's interesting, the, the actual fall of man happened not because she ate some bad fruit, okay? But this actually happens because of disobedience. Because God basically had given them free reign over 99.9% .9 of everything going on, and they still chose to find out the 0.01% to do their own thing. Now, obviously, we'll talk next week a little bit more about how we kind of get into that. But it's interesting that we see perfect world where God creates a man and a woman it places him in that we see that them fall and as soon as this happens as soon as this happens we actually get the first foretale the first prophecy about Jesus and it actually comes all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 if you read verse 15 uh, let's see verse 15 here's what it says and I will put this is by the way this is God speaking to the snake okay he or the serpent not the snake I almost made a bad, uh, that was a bad thing because it actually doesn't say snake, it's, it says serpent. And, and here's what we see. He says uh, in verse 15, and I will put an enemy between you and the woman, is what he tells the, the serpent. Uh, uh, and what we see is between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and, he will, and, uh, and you will strike his heel. And we see that this actually is the very first referencing to the coming Messiah. And it's funny because not many people think about hearing about Jesus all the way back in the book of Genesis, which is thousands and thousands of years before Jesus will ever have been born. So it's this incredible opportunity here we get the chance to see. But as we look into this, right, we see that the Old Testament branches out. We know that if you read Genesis, you learn that we do find some information out about Adam and Eve. But then guess what? But multiplication happens, right? And we see other children happen. And we ultimately see that through the generations, God actually calls a man named Abraham. And he actually just says to Abraham that he's going to use his descendants to form the nation of Israel. That's going to be God's chosen people. And so he actually reveals the moral law to another guy named Moses. And then we see through the Old Testament and the New Testament, this story come full cycle. So I don't have my whiteboard up here this week, uh, but if you remember, if you were here in the book of Judges, uh, basically in the book of Judges, we talked about how constantly in Scripture there's a cycle. 
there's a cycle where everything is good, it's exciting, everybody's cool with God, then we do something stupid, then we're not good with God, then we have to, then all of a sudden, because of the consequences of, of, of the sin, of us doing whatever we chose, then we cry out to God, then God has to come in, and he saves us, and then we're okay, and then all of a sudden it starts all over again, well, we're not, and, and so we see that, and we see through the Old Testament and the New Testament, basically, uh, the, the fulfillment of that giant cycle where where it started out great with Adam and Eve. Everybody, they, they were in righteousness, total righteousness with God. They were, they were in this perfect place. And then obviously through the fall of man and through the coming of Jesus and through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we get all the way full circle again. And we see that this is like a total uh, and complete, uh, uh, a complete circle that's made out of it. And so I, I wanted to uh, give you here... I don't know. I'm on Amy's computer, and it's, it's got little notifications popping up. So, uh, all right. So I know this is going to be small, especially if you're in the back. That's why, by the way, if you're in the back, this is why you sit in the front, okay? But, uh, but that's okay. Uh, let's see. I might have to go a little bit smaller. All right. So if you can't quite see from the back, one of the interesting things that I think a lot of people get messed up with and kind of confused uh, in the Old Testament especially is the Old Testament talks a lot about genealogy, and the Old Testament talks a lot, about, a lot about the law, about what you can and cannot do. And people get into certain books, uh, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and they're just like, Woo, like, this is crazy. What does this have anything to do with anything? But you've got to remember that back in this time frame, especially, uh, uh, the, the, your, your family lineage, your, um, you know, where you came from, had a, a major, major impact on, on who you were. Uh, you got to remember, this wasn't a time frame in which like a family would just like pick up and go move to the other side of the country. You know, like many of you, maybe if you didn't grow up in Delaware, you probably came here from somewhere. Like this is like times when you, you just didn't do that. Basically the family that you were born into, that that's what you stayed in like for forever. And this is how uh, clans of people, and this is how nations of people basically were founded. So genealogy for them is a, is a pretty major thing. The roots were basically a very big deal. And we see here, obviously, if you're looking from this chart, uh, that we see Adam and Eve. We know that Adam had Cain, Abel, and Seth. Uh, obviously, Cain killed Abel, which cut that story a little bit short. But we see Seth, and through the lineage of Seth, this is the lineage where, uh, where righteousness is supposed to be restored, right? So through the lineage of Seth, this is actually where we get to Noah. And we get from Noah, obviously, all the way down if we take it to, uh, uh, to, to Jesus, right? And so as we, we go through this, right, as we kind of go into this, we see that if, if, Cain, if Cain becomes the father of... Uh, or if Abel becomes, or Seth, I'm sorry, becomes the father of righteousness, right? If this is the line where righteousness comes, then what happens with the line of Cain? It's where unrighteousness comes, right? And if you see splits. And, and every time you see this through Noah, you see one that continues through righteousness, and you see a split that happens where you see get people that have the same choices that you and I have. The choices that we're either going to follow God or we're not going to follow God. And they, and they make those choices and they get planned out. The interesting thing, uh, I, I'm, by the way, I don't, I don't claim to be any sort of scientist, okay? So, uh, so, so make sure that you understand that from the very beginning. I also don't claim to be a theologian either, so I don't know what that means. But, uh, but, but for me, uh, one of the things that's actually interesting is to get into a little bit of scientific research on this. Uh, sometimes it starts getting into uh, uh, DNA sequencing and genomes, which gets way over my head real quick. 
But I actually found that it's interesting that, um, and we'll talk about this a little bit again next week, that, you know, obviously we know that uh, if, if Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve had Cain, Abel, and Seth, how many of you know that they had to have more children? Okay, because those numbers don't add up, all right? And so, so we know that obviously they had to have more children. We don't really know how many. Uh, we'll talk a little bit again about that next week. But I, I think it's interesting that I found, uh, in doing some research, I found like a New York Times article that basically claims uh, that, uh, I think it was, this was from back in like the, or the early 2000s when they were really starting to unpack uh, what it is for people's DNA, that they, they estimate that there was actually 10 atoms and 18 Eves. And then you say, well, what does that mean? In other words, they're saying that all of the population, all 7 billion people that lived on planet Earth, can all basically come from uh, one, of, uh, one of 10 men uh, or, 18, or 18 women. How many of you know that that's, that's some pretty incredible thinking to think, that, they've figured, that they can figure out, that they can actually work back and find out that it's not, and again, excuse my somewhat scientific ignorance here, but it, it's not from multiple pockets of stuff. It actually boils down to a very select handful of people that everybody's DNA and lineage can get traced from. That's a pretty incredible fact. We don't really talk about that much because, you know, that messes with a lot of other theories, which we'll get into. But, uh, but here's the interesting thing, too. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to spend some time uh, talking with you about certain theories, both uh, scientific theories some, but really a lot more uh, uh, theological theories about where certain things came from. Uh, I will try to paint them in as clear and unbiased picture as humanly possible because my job tonight and every other night and every Sunday, my job is not to tell you what to think, okay? I, I hope that you uh, can do research and look at this yourself. You pray and you seek God and you come up with good conclusions on what some of this is yourself. Um, and some of it, honestly, uh, you can have different opinions and it doesn't matter because as long as you're saved to Jesus Christ, we're all gonna go to heaven at the same time. So it doesn't really, some of the stuff doesn't particularly matter. But one of the theories that I, I, I thought was interesting and uh, that I, I've uh, kind of done a little bit of digging in when it comes to uh, how we got through gene, uh, genealogy as far as, uh, how many of you know it's weird in the Old Testament, which we'll talk even more about in a second, but how, how it's weird, how, everybody in the early part of Genesis lived a really long time. Mm -hmm. Like, you ever looked at that and be like, how? Like, how did we get there? And so one of the interesting thoughts uh, that has been pro uh, per proposed is what's called the theory of the human genome decay, uh, basically stating that uh, the genome of the population of the planet basically is, is, is heading through decay, which is why we have issues, right? Because uh, you know, how many of us know that through birth defects or through diseases, that obviously if we're talking about, from a biblical perspective, if we're talking about a, a, a time of which there's uh, perfect unity with God, that in order to get us to there, something had to have happened, right? So one of the thoughts in theory uh, is uh, a human genome decay, which actually comes from the fact of the decaying rate of the genome of the individual. In fact, uh, uh, a guy by the name of Dr. John Stanford from the University of Wisconsin, um, I don't know if you find comfort in this, but he's made a prediction that uh, humanity will go extinct in 300 generations or roughly 6,000 years uh, because of the degradation of 
humanity, of our genome, of, of you know, what makes us up and what puts us together. Others have actually taken a look at this research. They've come up with varying numbers, everything between 1,000 years uh, to 1,500,000 years. And you say, well, there's a little bit of a swing there, just a touch, you know. Uh, and the average range for people that are in this kind of study have thought it's about actually 30,000 years. The good news is, is if Jesus doesn't come back, we'll all be dead. That'll all be somebody else's problem. So, I, again, I don't know if that brings you comfort or not, but maybe maybe it does. But... Um, but really, uh, one of the incredible things for me is, hold on, come on, work with me, computer, is uh, when we take a look at this chart here, I think I might be able to make it a smidge bigger. All right. So uh, this chart actually gives you, obviously this is not everybody in the Bible. This basically starts us off at Adam and traces the lineage back uh, to Abraham. And it actually gives us, the numbers here in the middle are the length of time of which they lived. Um, and so obviously we start off from Adam and creation, uh, 930 years, uh, Seth, 912, uh, and we get all the way down uh, to Methuselah. Really cool, by the way, if you don't know about Methuselah, Methuselah is the oldest man in the Bible. It's always good to teach your kids about Methuselah because if all this fails, they'll know one random bit of biblical information that really means nothing. It's useless, but it's also cool to know. Um, and then obviously uh, from Methuselah, uh, it was the grandfather of, of Noah, and, uh, and we see. And so the interesting thing as we see that, so basically the, the degradation of the genome, okay, the theory of that, remember it's just a theory, okay, obviously there's no way that I know to really prove it, uh, but that w that's why they're going to say, you know, the, the thought of why we're at 900s, and then how all of a sudden after the floods, we get to 600s, and then in a very short time frame, we're in the 200s, and then after this, obviously, we get to below 100 to kind of where we are to, to today's standard. So uh, with this, obviously, uh, is there a lot of other questions that could explain it? 100%, absolutely. I just thought it was kind of one of those interesting, interesting facts. By the time, though, if you're reading in the Genesis, okay, by the time we get from Genesis, Genesis covers a long period of time and a little teeny period, because by the time you get into Genesis 6, we're already up to Noah in the flood. And so obviously, if you're going to get to Noah in the flood uh, in six chapters, there's a lot of time frame that happened there in between. Okay, and then by the time we get to Genesis uh, 6, uh, we see that it, scripturally, uh, it says that wickedness is off the charts, uh, and says that basically... Only Noah and uh, his, his family were considered righteous, which is interesting, by the way, because here's a little bit of random, again, somewhat random biblical information. So if you can't really see it, I don't know if you can see it from the back, there's this blue line right here, and it says flood, okay? So that's the flood of Noah, obviously. And the interesting thing is, is Methuselah was actually supposed to be uh, like a righteous guy, right? And that's part of what helps to explain. He was supposed to walk with the Lord, all this, everything else. Methuselah, great. Him and God were this way. You know what I mean? And the ironic part is, okay, and here's the kind of the head scratcher, is Methuselah actually dies in the year that the flood is supposed to happen. So the question is, did something happen to Methuselah and his, he kind of like losing his righteousness is uh, with God? Or did he die and God says, well, that's it. It's just Noah now. Noah, pack it up, boy. We're like this thing. We're wrapping this thing up. I, you know, that, that's, uh, I, who knows? You know what I mean? That's an interesting thought and question that you can lay in bed tonight. You can stare at the ceiling and you can ponder <laughs> all of these things that you're learning tonight, right? 
But we see after Noah and his family, we see the flood happens. He has one son, Shem, who is righteous. The other's not so much. And then obviously people multiplied. And as people multiplied, obviously that means sin multiplied as well. Then all of a sudden, of course, again, we're going to spend quite a bit of time here. And we're going to talk first a few minutes here about our guy, Abraham. And now if you really know your Bible, Abraham's not his original name, is it? What was his original name? Anybody know? Abraham. Abram. All right. God was real creative. He said, Abram, I'm going to make you Abraham because you can't eat ham. So ham. Okay. So think about that. Think about how cruel that is. He had ham in his name. And he wouldn't allow the humans to eat it. So, anyway, no. <laughs> All right. So, we get Abraham, right? And we get out of Abraham. He, God basically calls Abraham. And so, uh, what about this? Can anybody turn to Exodus chapter 19, verse 6? By the way, make sure if you have questions, we'll stop along the way. Or if you want to save them to the end, we'll try to save them for then too. But anybody who can read me, Exodus chapter 19, verse 6. I would appreciate it. You will be for me a kingdom of priests in a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the, and I, I can never say that word. Can you say it? I don't have it in front Israelites. of me. Israelites. Okay. I like to talk. I go home at night and try to say that word. Israelites? It's okay. It twice. Just say Israel if that helps. Yeah, yeah. But, um, <laughs> So the interesting thing, right, is God is telling Abraham, right? He says, look, Abraham, you, you come from a pretty great lineage of people. And this is where God, who already kind of has this plan, because remember, we talked about it in Genesis, where he's already said that he's going he's gonna to send a deliverer. He basically is going to say, hey, Abraham, I'm going to finally let you in on some of the plans that I've been cooking. In fact, I'm going to let you in to understand that, that you and the people that come after you are going to be a holy people. They're going to be separated out from everybody else. I'm basically going to take in the land of all these people, I'm going to pull one of them and I'm going to take you out and you're going to be part of my people. And so as we see that this happens, this is basically the beginning of God using Abraham and those people as a nation. And, and obviously at this time frame, he, he's not called out. Obviously it's not called uh, Israel yet, uh, but it will become that. And we see that, uh, that God does an incredible thing. And obviously we get to the New Testament where God sends Jesus Christ. And obviously when Jesus Christ comes, that's where we get the split between the Old Testament and the New Testament. We'll talk more about the timeline in just a second. But see, here's the interesting thing, right? Is the New Testament actually isn't anything new because it again it's the fulfillment of the Old Testament. It's the fulfillment of God's law. It's the fulfillment of the plan that God had thousands of years ago when He actually called people out and said, "Hey, you, you're living righteous for Me, and because of that, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to prosper you." And so, really, what we see when we look at the entire Old Testament, okay? When we look at the entire Old Testament, when we kind of blow it back up and we kind of take a little bit of a, a step back, we're basically going to see. Uh, four phases, okay? We're seeing the story of Israel in these four phases. The phases start in Genesis 12, go all the way through the book of Malachi. And so out of these four phases, we can break them up into a couple ones. So see, here's the first phase, okay? The first phase is we see the formation of Israel as a nation, 
Okay, the formation of Israel as a nation. That's basically what happened when he called Abraham. He said, Abraham, I'm taking you aside, and I'm going to make you something different. I'm going to make you a nation of people. Now, here's the thing to remember, and we get this confused sometimes because we, we talk about, like, America, one nation under God, right? Okay? We sometimes get nation and country, like, tangled up a little bit here because what we're actually going to say is the first one is where the formation of Israel as a nation happens, but the second one is actually the development of Israel as a kingdom, okay? So as Israel develops, if you know the story, you know that they're a tribe of people, they're wandering in the desert, they're supposed to go take a land, they finally do go take the land, and then when they get there, after they spend some time there, this is around that time when we're in the book of Judges, where all of a sudden everybody starts moaning and groaning, you know, and they're kicking the dirt, you're saying, well, God, we, we, we want a king, Everybody else around us got a king. Look at all the kings. Everybody else got kings. We don't got any king. God, God, can we have a king? And so God says, are you really sure you want a king? And yeah, we really want a king. And so what does he do? He gives him a king. And then that doesn't go too well, so he gives him another one. And then that doesn't go so well. And then they pass it down. And then, guess what? It, it doesn't really get any better. And so we, we find that that leads us to the third phase here, the, the third part of this story, which is the destruction of Israel as a kingdom. So you see him built up, and then you see him torn down. And then the fourth one, which happens towards the end of the, uh, of the Old Testament, it, we see that um, God actually restores Israel, but he restores them as a nation, but not as a kingdom. Okay? So they're actually restored as a people. They basically get brought out of captivity. They bring a, a sense of conclusion back to Jerusalem and back to where they're from. But they're never actually, uh, we never see that. So for phase one, phase one, remember, which is the formation of Israel as a nation, that's happening through Gen Genesis to Deuteronomy. So in these books, this is where God actually is laying the groundwork. That's why, by the way, when you, when you read and you read all the list of the do's and the don'ts, that's God basically forming the foundation for what he's called his people and how he's called them to live differently than everybody else around them. And so, so to us, a lot of times, it's like, God, this doesn't make any sense. Like, why did you choose all of these things? Like, you know, and some of them are pretty weird, you know, but it's incredible that when we actually break them down and we start looking at some of the, and we'll, we'll kind of look at that in, in a, in a couple, couple weeks, how, how the commands of God that seem so strange to us actually did serve a purpose. And they actually, most of the time, are meant to help his people stay healthy and avoid things and getting into dangerous situations that a lot of other nations did. So then phase two, we see the development of the kingdom. We see that from King Saul to Solomon. And then at the so Solomon, of course, uh, who I, I feel like sometimes Solomon, uh, we like to lift Solomon up a little bit because a lot of times we talk about Solomon. He's you know, the wisest king ever. You know, he asked for wisdom from the good Lord and the Lord granted it to him. Well, we always forget at the end of his life, he kind of blew it. And we always forget that at the end of his life, he turned back into idolatry. And since he turned back into this uh, sense of idolatry, uh, so did the whole kingdom around him. Because they're going to do whatever he does. And so, at his death, we basically see a civil war that happens in Israel. And so, one nation actually gets split into two. We have the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom uh, continues with the name Israel. The southern kingdom actually names itself Judah from the tribe. And, and so, then... We see, though, that guess what? What didn't happen? There's no surprise here that the sinful nature of people, it doesn't stop. It just keeps going. It keeps perplexing. And so, so as that happens, 
God brings judgment. He brings the Assyrians and he brings the Babylonians and he, he brings all these nations, these big, mighty, powerful nations that you've learned about in school, whether you remember it or not, that these were these incredible empires at the time to come in and, and literally dismantle, dismantle Israel and to, to haul them off. We get books like Daniel, uh, where, where basically Daniel was, he was a really intelligent person. And so he gets sent off to, to be uh, a part of another king's collection to use for his wisdom and his gifts and his talents. And so we see that as all this is happening, the dismantling of, of Israel. But then, and we see, by the way, uh, just to give you an idea of the timeline of what were happening. So the northern kingdom, okay, the northern kingdom fell to the Assyrians in the year 722 B.C. So that's 722 years before Christ. All right. The southern kingdom, Judah, lasted a little longer. They lasted until 586 B.C., but then they fell to the Babylonians. And so uh, if you are obviously aware of uh, your current, more current history, not your ancient history, you'll know that the nation of Israel was reformed again, wasn't it? And it still exists to this day. Does anybody have an idea what that, what year? Anybody remember what year that happened? It was 46, wasn't it? It is... Uh, May 14th, 1948. So you were very close, very close. Uh, anytime you guess after World War II, you get, go, you get good points, okay? So, uh, but, uh, but, but, but here's the, the incredible thing is, right, is just to give us a sense of understanding, to give us an understanding, a scope, and it's really hard for us to do this because Americans, we don't understand time real well. Like, we go see the Statue of Liberty. We go see the Liberty Bell. We'll go see the Declaration of Independence. We're like, oh, so old. That stuff is not old. We don't even know old. You know why? Because if you want to talk about old, let's talk about from when the, the, the southern kingdom, when Judah fell to the reestablishment of Israel in 1948, it was 2,534 years. That's a long time. That's a, that, that's a stinking long time, okay? Uh, and, and so we see, though, that during this time, during the dismantlement, of the northern and the southern kingdoms that God actually, he frees them. They returned back to their land and they were restored as a nation, not a kingdom again. Not until after World War II do we see that restoration happens. And really, uh, that's not so much uh, uh, as, a, as a, a thing that, that God, per se, orchestrated. That was, a, we felt really bad because we didn't do more during World War II. So we say, hey, we're going to give you a place to call home out of that. So it is written, it is estimated, okay, that the first Old Testament uh, books, okay, the first parts of the Old Testament were written around the year 1445 B.C., okay? Again, that's a long, long time ago, okay? 1445 B.C. Now, if you probably are thinking and you're doing your math and you're looking at timelines, you're like, how... How did this happen? And Moses, like, how, like, how did these years and 1,400 years before Jesus, like that, that doesn't seem to add up, okay? And part of that is, is because does anybody know what the Old Testament was, especially the first couple books of the Bible, uh, the the Torah? Does anybody know what they were originally, they, before they were written? Does anybody know what, they, what How did they? How did they? How did we communicate that? What, what, what was happening? Huh? Orally. Think about it. 
Think about, actually, this, this might lead you to a sad place, okay? Think about your life if you didn't have Netflix. Think about your life if you didn't have bunny ears to see whatever was happening on whatever local channel, right? Think about your Yeah, 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 bunny ears. That's, that's, uh, that's old school right there, isn't it? Yeah, before, uh, before we all had that digital antenna, you know? But, uh, but think about it. Think about all the, all the time we spend now reading, all the time we spend now watching, all the time we spend listening. Back then, they didn't have any of that. So what do they do to what do they do to scripture? What do they do to the stories, to the to the foundations of, of how they understand God and the notions of things from from the very beginning to then? They spoke them. They were oral traditions, and so they they were and then they were finally in 1445, give or take, uh, written down. And they're actually scripture in the Old Testament is thought to be written starting in 1445, lasting all the way to the book of Nehemiah, which is dated to around 400. BC. So that's 400 years before Jesus, okay? That means that just the written aspect covers more than a thousand years of time frame. Again, we do really bad with time. We don't even understand like a thousand years. We say that and we don't have really any good concept uh, of, of when it was written. And to make it even uh, more complicated, uh, first parts to the New Testament didn't get wrote till somewhere around 50 AD. So you have literally almost four to 500 years before one book finishes and a new one actually is started. And so I, I wanted to give you uh, an attempt, okay? This is, just a, this is just an attempt. This is a stab at the dark to help us try to get a concept of understanding of the distance of time tonight, okay? So how many of you remember Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492, that's right, good. You didn't know you were going back into school, okay? L listen, to give you an understanding, that means Columbus, who none of us have any real dizzy, like we don't really know anything about him besides that little saying, right, do we? We don't know nothing about it. And here's the crazy part. That only happened 530 years ago. And you're like, yeah, but that's a long time. No, 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 but we're talking about longer. We're, add another 500 years to that. That's the scope of time that we're talking we're talking the scope of time. By the way, I went through and added this random piece of information. It's 126 posts. That's how long the time has been. Okay? All right? 120, 126 posts is the same length of time. Okay? It's basically the same time as the nation of France was ever declared a kingdom. Okay? Not like the, the whole nation as we know it, but like the little teeny spot that started out and they called themselves the French. It's the same thing as uh, about the same amount of time that, uh, that Great Britain was, or England was known as a kingdom. That happened around the years 843 and 927, okay? It's incredible to think that we're talking about in the Old Testament that this is covered in this length of time, and not to mention the fact that it's so incredibly accurate because it, back in the day, when, when, when this was transcribed, okay, when this, was, when this was coming out, they didn't obviously have printing presses to get to go. They didn't get the copier to go hit copy, okay? They did it one letter at a time. One letter. Can you even fathom how slow that would be to copy the Old Testament one letter at a time? I would lose my mind. I don't have that kind of patience, right? But it's incredible because you actually could go back and you can see ancient manuscripts, ancient scrolls that literally are actually showing that this is like real 
that this isn't like we've added stuff to it, like, oh, well, this part was scribbled out. We don't really know, so let's just fill it in. No, no, like, it's incredible to think that the length of time and the amount of information that is p- talked about and possessed in here is just so incredible. And the fact that we have it, and so often we discount it because it's kind of confusing, it's just a little bit of a shame. So I'm hoping that over the next coming weeks that we can kind of unpack this. I also, really quickly and really briefly, uh, I actually meant to bring this tonight, but I was in a hurry running out the door and I, I forgot that there's actually, if you, uh, maybe according to where you grew up and what church you grew up, maybe you'll notice that uh, the Old Testament in this Bible and the Old Testament you had in another Bible, they might not match. And you're probably like, wait a second, how does that not write? Because there's a, t- a, a text um, that uh, some call the Apocrypha, some call the Pseudepocrypha, the, the Supocrypha or the Apocrypha that actually shows up and it has books like First and Second Maccabees in it. Uh, it, it has these uh, other books that maybe we don't quite recognize, we don't quite know. It actually has a book that claims to be from Enoch. By the way, I, I totally missed this. I totally missed the lease for this, so I apologize. If you're wondering, Enoch, by the way, 365. He didn't get smited down by the almighty smiter because he didn't live long enough here. He actually is one of only two people that actually get just taken up to heaven. Yeah, that's just, just like, boom. He was so great that God was just like, I can't live without you. Boom, he snatches him up just like that. So that, that's pretty crazy. But, uh, but yeah, so we actually show uh, that the Apocrypha, uh, if you, by the way, if you don't know much about it, it's actually interesting to read. Obviously, I would encourage you to read it with a grain of salt to understand that most, uh, many people don't really consider it part of the canonical part of scripture. In other words, they're, they're saying that it has self elements, which can be true, but it hasn't been found to be the inerrant word of God, if that makes sense. So with that, we actually see that that shows up around the fifth century. And we actually see that uh, Martin Luther, uh, you remember Martin Luther, he nailed the 95 pieces on the door, right? Uh, you, actually find, uh, you actually find that Martin Luther is actually the one who decided that, uh, because before then, uh, a lot of times you would actually find uh, th- these books in with the Old Testament. And he was just like, he was one of the ones that actually said, you know, I think we need to pull these out. He still left them in the Bible, but he put them in a section all to themselves. Uh, today, if you were to see uh, Anglican or Lutheran, uh, a Bible from Anglican or Lutherans, uh, they a lot of times still will carry it. Catholics at the same time still carry it or still carry it in some form or another. I'll try to make sure I remember next week. I have a, a little copy of it that I could bring in just so you can see. It's interesting. Like I said, it's got some interesting stories in it. And um, also, uh, I think I had one more picture here that I was going to show you because, you know, one of the interesting parts about your Bible, and a lot of people, maybe we don't understand this, we know Genesis starts at the beginning, right? In the beginning. And then somewhere along the way, we get kind of confused, and the timeline gets confusing because you'll read books, and somebody died before this, but then the next thing you know, they're still talking. You're like, you just died. How can you still be talking? Because we have to recognize that the Bible is not put together uh, in a um, in a chronological order, okay, it's put together in an order uh, that is more like by by genre almost, okay. So I actually have one here that's going to show you maybe my computer. Oh, seriously, that's even smaller than all the other ones. Okay, I'm going to try to make it bigger here. All right, I don't know if that's any bigger or any better. Uh, I don't know if I've blown it up too much. All right, 
So if we actually take a look from the chronological perspective, uh, Job, Job is actually thought to be the oldest written book of the Bible. Okay, so isn't it? Be, but it would be kind of weird if you started out your Bible with Job, wouldn't it? You know, all of a sudden you'd be like, "Boy, this God of mine! I don't know if I like this guy." You know what I mean? Like you, you have a whole lot of questions, right? So, so Job is actually thought to be one of the oldest books. Uh, but obviously, we put it together, Genesis. Uh, then you see... Um, Boy, I can't read that sideways. Uh, then we see Leviticus around the same time as Exodus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers obviously kind of go together. Uh, Joshua, Judges, then Ruth. Uh, and we see, uh, you see, uh, the, the actual last uh, written book uh, is actually Nehemiah. Like I said, Nehemiah is around 400 years before Christ. Uh, but for us, we don't put it together that way. So instead of looking like this... Uh, what it ultimately looks like is this. This is the Bible that, as you know it. So we obviously put together the first five books. We consider it the law. After that, we start with history. Okay, Everybody's a history buff. You need to know. After history, we get to poetry. Job is considered part of the uh, poetical book. Uh, it was Psalm, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs. Uh, we see also major prophets. Minor prophets, there's not really so much a difference, by the way, when you think of minor prophets. These aren't like minor league baseball players versus major league baseball players. Uh, they're just shorter books, and they don't have uh, as much to them. And then obviously we get to the New Testament. If you were to break the New Testament down, you get the life of Jesus, obviously, all up front with the Gospels. Then we get the history of church and Acts. After that, we get Paul's letters. So you probably never knew. You thought these were randomly split. No, they're put together because of Paul's letters. Uh, then we've got... Paul's letters to individuals, and then everybody else. By the way, uh, fun little trivia question that we'll get ready to close with tonight. Does anybody have any idea what they think was the first book in the New Testament that is thought to have been written? So actually the first one put, put pen to paper. Does anybody have a guess? Mark. Not Mark. Acts. Not Acts. John. Not John. Not Revelation. I like where you're going there. She's like, I'm going to go to the other end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum. Actually, James, James B.O.J., James' brother of Jesus, has actually thought he was the leader of the Jerusalem church. Uh, he actually is thought, he didn't, James was actually one of the uh, one of the apostles. He didn't really do a lot of traveling. He, James was like, I like Jerusalem. You all go travel wherever you want. I'm going to stay here and continue the Lord's work at home. Uh, you know, so so actually, it's thought that James is actually one of the first and the earliest uh, write, uh, written books in the New Testament, and uh, we go from there. Uh, I also have a chronological Bible. Again, I was going to try to bring that to you. I'll try to bring it to you next week. It's a little weird. Uh, I think uh, what's it start out with John, right? John 1-1. Yeah, it starts out with John one one. You're like, wait, no, John one one is a bit, but in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So anyway, so you can see where it goes. But uh, it's uh, it's an interesting. It's an interesting little read. Uh, but here we've got a couple minutes. I'm going to stop this for right now, if it's still even going. I guess I should say. Hey, 